I'm Jason Bailey-Losh, and you're listening to Seeing is Forgetting, conversations on contemporary art and culture in Los Angeles and beyond. Today's guests are Adam, Thomas, and Timo from BBQLA. It's a gallery that's been in Los Angeles for about a year and a half now, and each of the, the gentlemen are artists here in Los Angeles as well. During the show, we talk about the difficult choices you make as an artist. Those choices being with your career, do you go a certain direction when money is involved or when time is involved, or do you focus instead on your studio practice and how do you divide the time between these things and sort of make it work for you and your own life? Thomas Timo and Adam are all from the Midwest, and we talk about this Midwest work ethic or if it exists and how it pertains to coming out to Los Angeles and working and what they've done to build up the gallery and in their own studio practice, how that Midwest vibe sort of feels in the community they create around themselves. And we discuss the direction of the gallery, where BBQ is going and how that program specifically reflects their own studio practices and what they bring to the table when they're actually curating shows and bringing things together or pulling in curators and the choices of that programming as well as what the future of the gallery means and where they're going to go with their own artistic careers. Thank you very much, guys, for being on the program and taking the time out of your really busy schedule to uh, be on the show. So, here's Adam, Timo, and Thomas. All right, guys. Adam, Timo, Thomas. Thank you for coming to the show. Hello. Are we already? We're already going. You're. We're rolling. All right. Nice Thanks. work. Right. Welcome to the studio. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. BBQ LA. Indeed. That's you guys. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be BBQ, just BBQ, it, but no, uh, it turned into BBQ LA. Why did it turn into the LA thing? It was certainly Timo's fault. Well, there, there was. Uh, I mean, I think that the nomenclature was about BBQ. Our initial ideas was like we want to take this. All over the place. It can be a BBQ NY for New York, BBQ MX. We wanted to be able to do stuff in different locations. Incorporate it and and just internationally. Uh, just have BBQ be like the only thing that sticks for each event. Right. So if we did do a New York, it wouldn't be BBQ LA NY. It would just be BBQ NY. You know, that's a way down the line plan. And I, I right now it's that. just LA, right? Right now it's just yeah. It's currently just LA. Initially, this whole interview process got uh, set up with me being incredibly drunk in the back of a bar one night with Adam mm-hmm. <laughs> finding yeah, out known to get incredibly I think drunk. That's it was on me it wasn't on him I, yeah. I approached him I, I didn't even know uh, Adam was part of uh, BBQ Somebody nobody does yeah. Yeah. I think that's how most people meet us in fact really yeah like drunk, drunk in, a, in the back of a bar or drunk, in, <laughs> drunk at BBQ yeah well everything and I up until that point everything that I had heard about the space because I hadn't visited yet was how good the openings were. And originally, if I read this right too, they were one-night shows to begin mm-hmm. with. And that's yeah. transitioned into something bigger or different. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the the one-night-only format, I think it's kind of limiting in a lot of ways just because it's, if you're not there, then you don't see it. So it just, I think over time, we... Did you know that it was going to have to transition into that, you think? Well, we, we started as one-night shows because we were showing in my studio and you needed the space and I needed the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we always wanted to do longer program, but we couldn't. And so 
they started as like quick painting shows. Well, they were in the back of the house too. The barbecues were in the back of the house too, right? Yeah, it's where Thomas and I used to live. And that studio was something that we sort of built out of necessity. Like we both had just, were relatively new to LA and didn't have anywhere to work. So we just kind of made do with what we had. And there was like basically a space for a single car garage. We just cleared all all the dirt out. All the palm trees. I guess maybe this is a great place to start. Let's start from the beginning of like where you guys all met, and that was the Midwest. It was in Kansas City, right? Mm-hmm. Kansas City. We met in Kansas City yeah. at the Kansas City Art Institute. Yep. Yeah, and I'm a yeah. Midwest boy as well. So it was like, and you guys are all sort of from that area. One of the other things that I had found out right in the beginning was about the Midwest thing. So it, it's interesting that you all came to L.A. afterwards. You want to talk a little bit about growing up in the Midwest and why, why Kansas City? Was it because it was either that or Minneapolis? <laughs> or Chicago, or you Chicago. know what I mean? Like, yeah. me being from the Midwest, that's what I always sort of thought. Yeah, I don't know, like, why Kansas City? Maybe just because I had a quick connection there, and I was mm-hmm. 18 years old, and I had no idea otherwise. Yeah. I I, I thought that I could, when I, I left Iowa, and I went to, like, Iowa State, and then I moved to the East Coast, and I thought that everything on the East Coast was going to be the same, so I moved to D.C., and I was like, art's just going to be the same out there, right? I had no idea what anything was going to be like. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's sort of the same way where Kansas City, why not, right? Kind of. I, I was 28 when I started under. Were you really? Yeah, so That's I was right. the old dude that showed up. Not really an old dude. Seasoned? Yeah. Seasoned. I was definitely seasoned, <laughs> right? was the old dude to us. We're it was, yeah. It was, were you living in the Midwest at the time? Or no, no. I left, I left the Midwest when I was 18 and moved to California. I moved to San Diego, actually. Oh, you did? And kind of bounced around between there and San Francisco. I had cousins in San Diego. And this and is Timo, by the way. San, yeah, and then San Francisco was where I kind of started going to school um, when I was about 25 or 26. Undergrad. Uh, yeah, I, I just started taking classes at, at City College. You know, before that, I was kind of like, I had these like those early 20 ideals of like, you don't, you don't go to school to be an artist. Yeah. You fucking do it. And, uh, very romantic. I had, yeah, very romantic and was making like horrible. Yeah, terrible kind of, work. Yeah, yeah, really bad. But you had no um, idea, so it was fine. But I had street smarts too, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, the, the work was horrible. I had no concept of, of anything. And so by the time I got to, to San Francisco, actually, I was going back and forth to Tulsa. I, I went back at one point and met with a woman who was a high school teacher. And she, saw kind of the, some of the stuff that I was doing and and encouraged me to actually maybe take a class here Guided you? Yeah, a little bit. And, uh, you know, I still talk to her to this day. It's been over 15 years that we've been friends. And she guided me, and I wound up in school to, uh, as a direct result. And actually at Kansas City. She saw that I was good with clay. Ceramics. Should, yeah. Kansas City, for those who don't know, has a great... Yeah. Ceramics program. It's the best program at Kansas City, guys. Nah, you guys were not. They were definitely not in ceramics. Well, yeah, I was in sculpture and Adam was in painting. Painting. Painting and creative writing. Do you still write or not? Uh, it's a come and go process. I He's mean, kind like, of, he heads up all our all our press releases go through Adam pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, many of them are just like creative writing pieces of Adam's. Yeah, yeah they turn, that, they turn that give you projects. no information about anything. <laughs> <laughs> like for example, one of them was a recipe. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow we've gotten away with it. That's the thing I think is because we started in a backyard, like nobody really expected much. So when they saw a press release that had nothing to do with the art, or maybe it did, but it was creative writing, mm-hmm. quote unquote, like it was like okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. So how we does really it really only got slightly more serious? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because of the new space as well, too. 
And we'll get, I guess we'll get into that yeah. in a little bit. I want to mm. stay on Midwest a little bit. Sure. So you do the four years at Kansas City Art Institute. It's, mm-hmm. I think, what, what's the claim to fame for Kansas City? It has more fountains than any other city. In, uh, second most fountains, I think, next to Paris, right? That's, yeah, it's like in the States. It's a, yeah, most fountains in the state. Yeah. yeah, in the States. Yeah. It's kind of sad, actually. It, it's sad, but <laughs> it also, barbecue. Kansas City is really beautiful. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's it's a really nice Midwest town. Like if yeah, I was going to go good. live somewhere for an extended period of time, it would probably be Kansas City over just about anywhere else in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. You guys were all friends there, or did you actually know each other well or not? Not as close as we know each other now. I no. mean, me and Adam used to throw a football in the green here and there and yeah. see each other at parties. Timo, we mostly just would see each other at, at parties and maybe over in ceramics once in a while. But really, we weren't that great of friends or friends hardly at all not we, at all not at all not not really no, at all we would all. wind up at the same party sometimes yeah, really yeah. but i mean adam me and adam more so we were we were born friends so. how did you get together out here then did you just know that you were all out here this goes back to the midwest thing i think and this is something that i've i've noticed i really get along well with people from the midwest yeah it's true right and yeah and there's i think there's something that kind of ties you together so whenever you you know, having you come back and forth to San Diego and San Francisco, by the time I was in L.A., whenever I found out someone was coming out, yes, definitely seeking them out. There's a number of Kansas City people out here, but it's like, you know, you have a, a kind of a similar work ethic and you've got this thing in common. Mm-hmm. And so automatically we were kind of hanging out when had never spent more than a couple hours with either one of these guys before they moved out here. Really? And when they moved out, we started hanging out all the time. So that's what um, sort of inspired, like after being here together in L.A. and getting a sense of LA and then coming together as sort of a group. Yeah. I yeah. think the first time I saw Timo was at a Mary Weatherford show actually at the old Kordansky spot. Uh, I remember spot that show. Yeah. Black Welder. There's the one, the, one of the first ones, the neon ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was the last show in that space, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. I had just started working for Mary right around that time. I got, I got to see a lot of that show come along and uh, Mary's actually an important part of BBQLA. A really? Por- important part of why we're still kind of around. Yeah. In what way? Uh, she agreed to be, she's probably one of the first established artists that agreed to be in one of our shows. Yeah. You know, she put it in the consignment agreement that when the work sold, we would get a small percentage. So it helped support the the space. Mm -hmm. And the space is a non-profit? All profit. Not for profit? All proceeds go back Back into into programming. Programming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't have official, we we don't have any kind of official status, the the paperwork necessarily. But the intention is... Yeah, everything goes back into the space, so we, we pocket nothing. I mean, it just all goes back into the programming. It's pretty amazing. That's great. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been fortunate enough to keep flowing with everything that has like, come through BBQ, whether it's donations or, or any kind of sales. Without that, we'd still be, I don't even know if we'd still be doing it because we'd be shelling everything out of our pockets. Well, uh, yeah. I'll be honest. I think like the, the nonprofit art scene in L.A., I was having a conversation with another fairly established artist the other night, and we were both sort of in agreement that the nonprofit positions out here support blue chip artists very often. And mm-hmm. there's very little opportunity for sort of emerging artists to, to be positioned, especially in relationships with established artists. So what you guys are doing and what I saw sort of the programming and some of those things, Jonas Wood and Mary mm-hmm. and those guys being put into contextually put into a, a program with them and then have that money not be put into somebody's pocket. I think it's great. I, I mean, it's one of the most important things about what BBQLA stands for and, and what it is. And that is like being able to continue doing this by having people like Mary Jonas, Jen Guidi, Dash Manley that have yeah. been in the shows, you know, they bring out a good amount of people. And then we also get to introduce 
you know, new artists that people haven't heard of that we've been able to meet with or have met through our own community at BBQ or, you know, just the way you do as an artist, you know, meeting other people that haven't had the opportunity to show. So do you think that's why the why it's sort of grown into what it, what it's become now? Mm-hmm. I think if you just come for the free food, that yeah. could be very very well be it as well too. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, who cooks? Uh, it's different. Is, yeah, it's different. Time. Although Tom has cooked for a number of them, we typically invite other artists actually to come in, like uh, or curator Santi Vernetti is cooking for our show this. Saturday. Oh, is he really? Yeah, he's going to roast a couple of lambs. But one thing I did want to say was that when you talked about a lot of the people that are that come to the shows and them being big crowds, I think one of the biggest thing that keeps it going is that a huge part of that crowd is is all young artists. It's we're like I think that we're really heavily supported by uh, other artists, so it's a, kind of a place where artists come to meet artists as well. Well, in in the state, I got a. Uh... This was the nice. letter to Paps. Yeah, it was a letter to Paps. So. <laughs> oh, no, Wait, Adam gave him the Adam, letter to Paps. Adam sent me. I was like, give me, give me background uh, information yeah. to like, so I can do my research. And Adam sent me a letter that you sent to Paps to get get free beer. Uh, oh, but just picked it up today. He did. <laughs> did you really? Beer. I did. Did yeah. they? I was wondering if it worked. They gave you it beer. It worked. So they gave us beer. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. One of the things you said in it, though, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is it was to bring different groups of artists together. Yeah. So another thing that happens in New York and L.A. too is that you have those different age groups Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they're not intermixing. Totally. Like I go out and I don't know half of the artists at an opening. Sometimes it's purely based on who's showing and I'm not involved in that community. Mm -hmm. It's it's funny. We're fortunate to live in a city where the subcultures have subcultures here and that there's so many different pockets of artists. I mean, like Timo, Thomas and myself all know different groups of people. I mean, not only do we know the midwesterners and the kansas city people but we work with different people we know people through different social gatherings so in a way it's like we're bringing all these different communities together to like sort of interact interact with one another and you know bounce side bounce ideas off one another and because we keep it so local mainly you know these with are, the artists the, with the artists the yeah. artists are bringing it in so mm-hmm. we're really yeah. trying to develop a community that's that's always been the main focus. Your your next show though is not local. No, no, it's a kind of our first. It's two firsts actually. The first non-local. We have had shows with people from San Francisco or New York, uh, where they've been part of a group show and sent the work to us. Gotcha. Uh, Caitlin Holloman, for example, actually came out with the work. The show this Saturday is our first show of. It's a solo show actually. I mean that they work together. They're called Sangre Carlos and Renee. But it's the first kind of solo project that we're presenting. We typically only do group shows. And they're out of Mexico City. And they're out of Mexico City. And exactly. re- reason being is because it's a gallery swap uh, between Yautepec and Mexico City. And so that's why it's the first show that's not our group show. So did they right? curate these guys into the show or the show for them? Or how does that work? No, I think Timo approached them, right? Yeah. You, you approached them. Yeah. I, I When I was in Mexico City last, I think it was Carla Anguina from here in L.A., who mentioned that I should visit with them. That's another thing. We're constantly doing studio visits, so yeah. any chance we get, like that's kind of part of what I really enjoy doing. Do you, you know what's funny about that is the first thing I did when I moved to L.A. is studio visits nonstop. It was the easiest thing to like get into knowing all the other artists and not having people into my studio necessarily, but going to other people's studios just nonstop because it shows a graciousness sure. of like being part of the community and understanding what's going on, and it really helps. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing in, in L.A. It's like you got to give a little, you know, to get anything back remotely. It's well, like, anywhere, right? Yeah. But like L.A. specifically, too, especially with the one of the things I found about and you can tell me if you found this different, but 
if you're not in one of the school communities out here, so the schools are big, so mm-hmm. USC, UCLA, if you're not already in the group of those individuals who are students in there, it's hard to break into those communities and they have their own sort of subsects. And that sort of was sort of the big thing. I had friends that were in there, so they introduced me to a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And you went to, Timo, you went to grad school out here. Yeah, yeah, right? I was at UCLA, so I did, and I still do kind of maintain those connections. But, um, but I do. Do you guys feel that? Not coming to school out here? Was that initially when you first came out or not? Yeah, and I think still is. Right? For sure. Yeah, yeah it makes it a little harder, for sure. It's a little intimidating sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, that's any community. I've, I still found L.A. more welcoming than New York in, in terms of like being able to sort of walk into the communities and sort of be accepted quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like everybody will give you a, a fair shot, you know, until you fuck it up. It's <laughs> Yeah, I'm it's usually... <laughs> I'm a, I'm apologizing a lot. Uh, <laughs> no, but one great thing that you brought up about you having moved here and doing those studio visits and and that like being a big part of our practice individually, but even as a whole as a BBQ. And I, I was listening to your uh, podcast with Jake. Yeah. And you were talking about how important it is being an artist and being an artist in L.A. But a very big importance of that is actually being out there. Present, interacting, right? being present, yes, yeah. going to shows, meeting with other people. Like, I, I, there's some great artists out there that kind of sit in their garage and don't do anything. And it's like, I know, I don't, it, I can't deal, I can't do that. I do, I, you know what I do? I do the same thing I do in the studio every once in a while is I go and I do that for a long time and then I pull back and I don't do it for like three months. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of sit in the studio and I work for a while and I sort of like downtime. Yeah. And then I'll go back out and I'll start hitting it. So if I'm not in the studio or I am in the studio all day and then at night I'll go out to openings and stuff. I don't know if you guys feel that way too. I don't know if it's like, it's hard. The more, the more things you go to, the more people you meet and then it kind of snowballs obligations, the more obligations that you have. So you have to kind of ebb and flow out of it a little bit. No, I I feel pulled in like 20 different ways all the time. Well, yeah, not only that though, we're all practicing artists, work for other people, have galleries, and then we have BBQ. So it's really like we're, you know, we have three full-time jobs. Yeah. No, I feel you. It's lifers. It's yeah. like, this is, this is, it's not necessarily a job. But it's a, life, if you're life. not going, I mean, maybe this is, hey, I feel like it's sort of Midwest. If you're not going a hundred miles an hour and doing everything you possibly do, I don't want to get <clears> to the <throat> end of the road and think that I ever didn't do anything that was out there in front of me or take that opportunity because goddamn, yeah. I'm going to be so depressed at the end of the day. <sighs> if like I come back and all of a sudden I didn't make it and I see the guy next to me did because he did one thing I didn't do saying that, I'm drained all the time. Yeah. In fact, it took us, I think it took us like two months to set this interview up because we're not longer. Yeah. yeah, We're all like all over the place all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to feel like that. It's nice to hear like, Oh yeah, we have been planning this for a while. Oh yeah, we've all been really busy. Like, there's something. There's about reasons. That it's not because you're lazy. Yeah, no. yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's not like we've been fucking. There's yeah. too much going on. By the way, there are a lot of lazy people that don't have time to come on the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really? on the couch, bonger at time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it's true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. It's well, what it's safe to say, dude? I think our first podcast, my first podcast. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, and yeah. To, yours to everyone too. here. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> thanks, <Ma. laughs> yeah. thanks, Jason. Absolutely. I've done a couple shows now where we have artists who started galleries and why they started the galleries, but also people who have day jobs and work their asses off during the day at the same time while making stuff in the studio. And one of the things that always gets me, and I think people who listen to the show regularly will know this too, is that like I hate it when somebody comes into the studio and asks when I have time to make work because I'm always making work. And although I have a day job and I'm really serious about it and I feel like I'm good at it, 
and I have a podcast and I have two kids and everything else, it doesn't mean I'm not going to work my ass off in the studio any chance I get. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it's just, it, it's just, you've got to do it. Yeah. Well, I think that comes down to like, a, you know, with your podcast, it's sort of like an extension of your studio practice. It's exactly the, what it is. Yeah. The same way with BBQLA, it's just, this is an extension of all of our studio practices put together. I mean, for us, it always started out as just this collaboration and almost this ongoing installation, you know, where we can sort of, bring our own input to the table and invite other people to share the platform and expand from there. Okay. So I look through all of the, each show that you guys have done so far. And by the way, each show our has horrible documentation. No, it's gotten really good lately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we got to, we got to shout out Patrick Kelly Cooper right now for that. Actually, <laughs> is that who did the shots? The last two? Oh, the documentation. Well, no, the photos is all Jeff McLean. And, and if you good. don't know about Jeff McLean and uh-huh. as an artist in LA, he's, the best photographer for Jeff the best McLean. price. Yeah, he does really good. It looks good. And the new space looks amazing. Yeah. Like he, the, it's a, it's a, a, he's, he's a big part of that. So the last two shows, it struck me too. So what I did was I went through each of the shows first. And I went through and I looked at all the images for each of the items that were in the shows. And then I went to each of your websites and I looked at each, all of your works going through chronologically back. And it did strike me. It's funny that you mentioned it's uh, sort of part of the practice, but the work that's being curated into the shows riffs off of the work that you're producing in the studios and how you're actually dealing with the work and sort of, do you want to talk a bit about how these shows get curated and put together and how they play off of your studio practices individually? I'd love to talk about that. You guys, you guys <laughs> excited about this one? No, no, I think this is great. You know, I think first I want to say that, um, you know, we talked about this being an extension of our practice. And I, I think that at some point in a, a long, let's say, the history of art or the trajectory of art history or whatever, like there became curator and artist, and they were two separate things that didn't really belong in the same kind of realm or, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, absolutely. there's a lot of artists out there that don't realize they can curate, I think. And, and I think, or should curate it. Yeah. It helps them teach, teach them about their own work. And that's what BBQ like initially was for us. Like it was our kind of first experience in curating, um, outside of maybe some, some projects we did at school or outside of school, let's say. But it was uh, kind of this curatorial investigation. Um, but here's the real kind of trick of it was the first three shows. Let's go back to us being in the backyard oh, yeah. on a Sunday yeah, afternoon. Yeah, one of the many Sunday afternoon barbecues. We're talking about it. Let's start having shows. Okay, let's have let's a show. Let's do this on a regular thing. Let's, do, let's, let's try to start having monthly shows. At least we can do three shows. There's three of us. We'll each curate a show. And we'll each curate one of the other people into the show. Yeah. So this was a way... So you get to show your work. We get to show our work. The starting point. Yes. Yeah. We weren't Yeah. All. Well, because... You, uh, Timo was. You have to... Yeah, but you way. have to show the work to get a thought process done to move on to the next thing, at least for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it also comes down to the barbecues that we were having before we even started doing the show is we're, we're always, we were always just having conversations about the work anyway. So it's just like, why not put two and two together and just do put it. it out there and see what happens? And I think the, the kind of curation that's grown from that, at least uh, I was just thinking about it yesterday. Adam and I were talking about a show that he's proposed for February. And uh, you can talk about the theme a little bit. But as I was hearing it, I was like, oh, that makes complete sense for Adam. And for me to say that is, is really kind of like I go back and think about the shows that, that Tom has curated or that I have curated. And the, the last one I did with, uh, with Jen Guidi and Dash and Brian Roachford, and it was the first Bruce. one in the new space. 
but it was really kind of all about texture and pattern. And, and I'm, yeah. like, I'm really in love with that kind of stuff in my own work. You can see it in the sculpture. So, yeah. So this is like, I, I think that I noticed that when we curate, we tend to curate along the lines of something that we're really trying to grapple with ourselves. Or something we're just interested in, you know? Sure. I mean, like Absolutely. for Tom, it was like, we hadn't done much of any kind of sculpture show. So for Thomas, it was important for him to present like a sculpture show just like strictly based on sculpture and it, you know it came together really well i mean the other thing i noticed about thomas's work though too is the palette mm-hmm. and the color coming into the sculpture so it's not only about seeing what space is activated by the actual object and object on the wall mm-hmm. but also how that color and the palette interacts with sort of the space and the other objects in the room at the same time too right right because i'm my work right now is dealing very much in between painting and sculpture. You can see it, and so yeah, that that show there's a lot of col- a lot of color, a lot of sculptural uh, wall pieces, and do you know Florian Schmidt, the the German artist? He used to show with Zach Foyer. I have a piece in the living room. I'll show you one of the pieces, but it's like older. He doesn't show around here very much. But humble it, brag. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't break. Uh, no, uh, actually, that piece I got off of an Artadia auction. It was one of the rare ones I bought instead of traded, and it was valued at like seven grand, and I bought it for twelve hundred. No way. And I don't have twelve hundred dollars; it went all on the credit card. Um, but I was like, I am not letting it go. But I really love the the work, and it reminded me of this. But also, it's good shit. But I can see how this stuff all transitions into your work. Going back into the shows and like what we show, it's not so serious. It doesn't take itself too seriously, and it's not trying to be art with a capital A. I think it's like everything that we do is sort of. A little cheeky, you know. We're yeah. we're having fun with it, and I the feel way like we're presenting it. But the yeah. art itself, I think, is very serious. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's not, it's not to take away anything from the art itself. It's just that, you know, between the three of us, I think all of our work has a very playful element to it. And you're and being playful with the curating too. And yeah, how you put how you combine works together, how you put them together, and they interact in a room. Well, why would you ever have an art show with a barbecue in the front yard? Yeah, you exactly. know, the same thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's uh, it's very much playground. Yeah. Do you guys take turns, or how does it work with the curating? It's pretty loose. Just yeah. whatever yeah. works. Yeah, yeah we, try to, we try not to plan too far in advance is one of our things that's important. You know, we, we keep ourselves open to opportunities, I think, that way. If something pops up, then you can go ahead and, and run so, with it. And so when something really good pops up, or if somebody has a really good idea, then, then that finally gets like plugged, essentially, just like on the end, end of our... Mm-hmm. So yeah, how far out are you right now? May? Right, March. Uh, we're, March. we're through March. Actually, April. So, so the ne- May is the next February, open slot. So you're, yeah. but you're, you're still a ways in. You're like five me. months. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like we're we're still planning ahead. It, it is loose, but I mean, there there are shows that have been we've been talking about with people for quite a while. And it, I mean, just like us trying to get together for this podcast, it's just like hit and miss, hit and miss, and then yeah. finally it works out we can all get together and agree on something yeah because you know? yeah. it's not just us three that's another thing that isn't. we do yeah no. there's there's other people that have collaborated or come in and and proposed curated yeah. i've seen some other curatorial yeah, stuff sure. in there as well too. our good friend erica mahine who also went to kansas city art institute has curated the show and Skylar Beaverly, Skyler another Kansas City guy, will curate the next, next show yeah, yeah. January. january show michael smoller from uh yeah uh, Blum Blum Blum. Blum. Yeah, he's, he's gonna a Chicago guy. Uh, going to uh, do the March show. And it also takes some pressure off of you guys so you can be in the studio and making work. And Yeah, anytime anybody else wants to curate a show, it makes it a little easier on us. I mean, there's still the logistics and the planning of it, but it's something, it's like one less thing we have to worry about. Foreseeable future? You think it's going to go for a while? Well, we've always said that we'll keep doing it as long as it's fun. Yeah, And once exactly. it stops being fun, we'll stop doing it. When it becomes a hassle, then... 
yeah. figure out how to deal with it. Not Either that, that it's not we're important out of money. to us and we're just trying to have fun, but it, I think if it's not fun for us, then it's probably not fun for our community as well. Mm -hmm. If I think know, too, if we're all having fun as a community. I mean, you have to have priorities too, right? So at a certain point in time, your your art probably comes first. Hopefully, at yeah. a certain point in time, we'll have to walk away. Right. You know what I mean? Like, we can all hope that I don't have time to do a fucking podcast. No, there, I'm kidding. There have been times <laughs> where it's gotten better in the gallery. I've been like, I'm, I'm just going to quit fucking making art and start selling start selling it. You know, like, because at, at one point, there was uh, one show in particular that sold really well. And we're like, what the fuck's going on? We, you know, we're, we don't know anything about selling art as gallerists. Yeah. But I kind of fell into that role. And and when I did, I, I had some serious, like, I started thinking about, okay, well, maybe this is some direction that I should head in. And that, I was completely wrong. But. And that being said, too, I think it's fun to see things from both sides of the fence. I mean, it's nice to step foot into those roles once in a while and see what it's all about. You know, you don't want to be a pinch hitter the rest of your life. So it's like... I, I had the same thought. Like, when I moved to L.A., I, I was here for a while. I knew enough people, and I was going to open a gallery. I'll open a serious gallery. I had a director lined up from another gallery. I was like, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to get, like, enough funds raised so I can have three years. But it was going to be commercial. It wasn't going to be nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Couldn't do it because it was going to take away from me doing the work in the studio. And I sort of knew it at the time, too, because I was going to go the commercial route. There's not a lot of commercial gala galleries that are making art themselves yeah. well yeah. and even when you see them it's sort of like it delegitimizes a little bit yeah isn't there some kind of urban legend about some salesperson that's working at gogian and has like a sort of successful art career or am i making that up oh i don't or know that person pen name or urban legend can you yeah. google that or something <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first uh, like you guys like yeah. oh shit this stuff's selling yeah and it's working well and i'm, I'm decent at this thing yeah and I'm, yeah, I mean, there's so many things like the devil's <laughs> advocates that come in there because like as a struggling artist, I'm, I'm not really excited about giving a gallery 50% of my, you know, like time. Yeah. Basically by saying you sell this work, you get to keep half of the money. Well, that's you a know? bitch, right? Yeah. And even when you're I'm, selling it out of your studio directly yourself and they still get 50%. You know, it's just it, it, it is a really kind of weird thing to wrap your head around. You know, with BBQLA, we started at 20 and have moved at 35%. So that is something so that we're what, trying. Now, how that works is you ask for a percent of the sales from whatever sold to go directly back into the gallery. To the programming of the and gallery. And it started yeah. at 25? And it's, it's donation. Sorry, it started at 20%. Yeah. 20, and now it's where? 35 Okay. And it's it's up to the artist whether or not they want to do it. They can give whatever yeah, they want no, up no, to 35%. There's yeah, no contract 30, or anything. That's still pretty shitty if you don't give the 35. We haven't had anybody not, not give, give the, the 35. 35. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Suggested <laughs> yeah, donation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It, it would makes be it a little bit. easier on us when we don't have to sit there and pinch pennies over what we're going to serve at the next opening. Well, but by the way, they're still making more money than the 50% they'd be making at any of the galleries exactly. they sold. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. We're artist friendly. Yeah. So. I mean, but that's, that's a part of what I was saying that it kind of enticed me a little bit. It's like when, when you see work selling out there and you can see it can be done and then you're kind of struggling 
with your own career. Which is funny, though. You can sell other people's stuff, but your own <laughs> shit. And this isn't you. This is me, too. No, like, this was me, too. I mean, yeah. exactly what you're I saying. I can sell I other shit, point, but then all of a sudden you know? I can't sell my own work. And yeah. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes you start seriously. But it's a it's a mind fuck because it makes yeah. you start seriously doubting your studio practice. And exactly. like, what are you not doing in the studio that you should be doing to sell the work? Which is the complete wrong way to think about yeah. anything. Or what is everyone else doing that, 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 that I'm not? Yeah. Like, and it's such a ass backwards way to like yeah. actually consider producing. I had, um, I haven't told this story on the show yet. I'll have to redact names. I had moved to LA for the company that I work for now, art shipping in New York. I had worked for the same company and I dealt with all the problem clients, like the hard to deal with clients. Sure. So I moved out here and one of these hard to deal with clients had my phone number and she would always call me at like six in the morning in New York. So I get a phone call from her one day and I had just moved here and she's like, Hey Jason, do you know of anybody who, have, who has maybe recently moved out of New York and wants to come work for me? And I was like, you know, no, I don't know anybody. What do you want? You want somebody to start being your registrar and shipping? And she goes, no, no, I want somebody to do sales come in and do sales and you probably have to do some of the shipping and stuff too, but like come be a sale. One of my salespeople, I was like, shit. I was like, what do I do? And I was like, I don't know. I'll keep my ear to the ground. I'll let you know. I'll call you back tomorrow or something. And I actually went to my bosses and I was like, look, this person is sort of offering me a job as a director at the gallery. And they're like, you could probably make 200,000 a year. Mm -hmm. This is the money you'd be at. Holy shit. This is the point where you decide whether or not you're going to do that thing and make that amount of money or you're not going to do it. Yeah. So I went back to her the next day and I called and I said, Hey, I really appreciate the call and I appreciate the offer. I said, I'm an artist, so I can't do this because it's going to screw up my own career and I've got to stay doing the thing I'm doing. And she goes, she says to me, she goes, I wasn't asking you if you wanted a job. I asked you if you knew of anybody that wanted a job. And I was like, you know what? Kate made my point. Like totally. I would have, it's one of those things. So what's $200,000 if you only work in there six months? Yeah. And, and what's $200,000 if you lose your peace of mind and you can't actually function and be in the studio and make work and you're, you just hate your life? Like What's $200,000 if you're not happy? If you're not happy, it doesn't fucking matter at all in the, in the least bit. So it was that moment where you turn down the huge amount of money to like go do the thing. Yeah. But it still get, it gets hard sometimes. It gets really <laughs> tough. <laughs> you're sitting in your studio sometimes banging your head against the wall going, fuck, $200,000. You know what I mean? No, it's just like, you, no I know it. There For are me, times. it's less about the money than it is the opportunity to yeah. show. It, sure. And sure. I would rather be showing than making money doing stuff. And when you don't have the opportunity to show and you could be making money instead or something like that, and like that juxtaposition of of, uh, points, it becomes a little bit more difficult. Yeah. So how do you guys being out of the Midwest find LA? I guess, how did you find LA? Adam and Tom, like what drew you guys out here? I knew well, it was me. They, yeah. I drew them out here. <laughs> you already said you didn't fucking know him. <laughs> like, like, no, we, we knew Timo. We just didn't talk to him. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, yeah. I, I was, thought yeah. I was pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, You're a different we'll person. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, for me, it was like I had been living in Kansas City for. I don't know. I think it was something like seven years with, a long time. with school and then yeah. hanging around after school because a lot of people, when they graduated from undergrad, sort of either moving back home or just going on to grad school right away. And I just kind of like floated and figured, well, I'm just going to 
keep making work and see what happens. And then after a while, you know, you get sick of it. And not only do you get sick of it, but there, there aren't many opportunities in the Midwest to make money. And especially as an artist. I mean, you can get a real job, a nine-to-five job. and Right. You're going to be outside of the art world if you're actually working. Yeah. If you basically. want to make any kind of real money inside the Midwest, you have to have a real job. You're not going to be working as a studio artist or no. in the industry in any way. Or artist assistant or working for a museum. Yeah. Whatever. So for me, it was just like I had these visions of myself dying in Kansas City. So I'm I moving the fuck out as soon as I can get out, you know. And so I packed up and moved to Berkeley and hung out there for a year. And Why Berkeley? I'd been out east and I didn't want to go. So Berkeley just seemed like a well, I wanted. Yeah, it was like Oakland was where I wanted to land. But Was there a woman involved in there? Well, anymore? my girlfriend and I moved out. There was, <laughs> there's, there's no woman in Berkeley. Um, just worked out that way where... I'd been out east. I didn't want to go out there. And I figured if I'm going to suffer from being poor and not having a job, I better suffer somewhere where it's at least warm and I don't have to deal with the winters like Kansas City or Wisconsin or anything. Yeah, it sucks. So from there, you know, I moved down to L.A. just because I've got I had friends down here a little bit warmer and I think overall more opportunities. I mean, the Bay area is so tiny, so it's, it's really hard to break in there. The scene is really small too. It's, it's a weird scene. It's really small. It's, uh, it's pretty eclectic. Did he, did he ever answer the question? Why Berkeley? Why Ber- I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have an it around it. I don't. I want to know too. Like why? Because like, you were looking at Berkeley's a random no, choice. That was too expensive. Like well, but here's the thing Hacky for me. Sex. The reason I say why Berkeley is because out of being out of Iowa, like I wouldn't have known what the fuck Berkeley yeah. was. Well, yeah, Other I mean, school, it, was like, it was like a college. Jack yeah, Carolac the idea was like. <laughs> well, I mean, the idea was San Francisco, but it was just it's way too expensive. And at that point, it was gotcha. expensive, and even, and now it's you know beyond affordable, untenable. Yeah. So you only did a year, and then you came down here. Then I came down to LA. Yeah. And then you've been here how long? Two and a half, three years, about three years now. Right. So far, so good. I love LA. It's, it's great. great, right? Yeah. This goes back to, do you want to have a job that makes you a decent amount of money and you can live on it? Right. Or do you want to be an artist? Yeah. I've been presented with that opportunity a couple times now, not just in LA, but in other places where it's like, here's an opportunity for you to become a part of the company. Yeah. You know, five days a week, five days a week, give up your studio practice yeah. and, and buy in. Which is great if you want to start a family and you want to like settle down and live that life. For me, you know, going back to your story, it's like I can't do it. I can't do it. I won't be happy. I'll be miserable. You know, you will. I'll be, be a terrible person, and you'll be horrible to the person you're with. Exactly. Yeah. She tells me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. Like I struggle with that all the time with kids and family too. Like you don't want. I'd rather be in debt where I'm at right now than doing that thing where I'd be. Well, you try to supplement your the emptiness that you have with, you know, monetary items. You want to like just buy records or buy, yeah, exactly. you know, buy whatever the hell just to like make you happy just for a little bit that day, but yeah, or, it, or, it's all fleeting. You know, honestly, or worse things, right? Yeah, like, or worse things. Yeah. Fun things, but worse things. Yeah, yeah you know, well, but not just buy, but like supplement your life and try to fill it with these gaps and these holes with things that are going to try to make you happy because that isn't going to do it. Mm-mm. And and that's going to be worse off for everybody involved. Thomas, how about you, man? Why are you here? Because I'm here. He moved out because of me. I sent him a Adam picture was, of a palm tree. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No shit? Did you really? <laughs> well, you were still, where were you living? I was living in Ohio. I was actually teaching at uh, Bowling Green State University. Where you went to which graduate also, school. Well, I went to graduate school. Yeah, I, I had gone to grad school there. Moved back to Minnesota, where I'm from. Got pulled out to a job in Omaha. Whereabouts in Minnesota? I'm from St. Paul, but I was living oh, in okay. Minneapolis at that time. I was just kind of like doing this Midwest hustle is like what you, so you lived in Omaha too. I did. Yeah. I was managing the studio of June Koneko. Who's like, Oh a, really? She's in Omaha. 
He is. Oh, he? Oh, excuse me. Uh, We're going to edit drop. that out. On, one sec. One sec. We're going to edit that. So it says, really? He's in Omaha? That's right. That'll yeah. be totally edited. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? So I lived in Omaha for two years. Okay. I hated it. It yeah. was so boring. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was there for six months, and I was working my ass off because, you know, everybody had left that job. They brought me in there to kind of change things for the better or whatnot, and it was, it was, it's a large studio, very slow moving. Where's he show? Uh, he does, like, a lot of, like, mostly public art projects. But funny, I just saw a show of his uh, on Culver, one of the galleries. Oh, really? Just south of the, the river, the, oh, the Biona right. Creek. I don't even know what gallery is. I, I think it used to be Angles or Western. I didn't go random. see it. I didn't huh? go see it. He <laughs> <laughs> I walked by no, the window, I, I, but I mean, he's, he's, he's known is, for his public... He does a lot of plays, terms. too, though, like well, a this, lot of costume design. You know what? That like, can make you money, though, too. That is bank. Those public sculptures. Yeah, this goes back to what to we were good. talking about. This goes back to what we were talking about with the sweat and a job five days a week. For Choices me. you make? Absolutely. Like I, I was getting my ass worked there, uh, you know, that we were firing kilns for four, 14 days straight. Oh, my God. And so I had a kiln apartment that I was staying at. I had to be there 24 hours for 14 days that straight. That sounds horrid. It was awful. It was awful. In Omaha, too. Yeah. So I, <laughs> of all places. It yeah. didn't, I could have been in New York City. It didn't matter because I couldn't leave the building, you know. That is crazy. It, it was terrible. And so there's I, not enough money in the world to make that manageable no was, unless you was, just want to drink beer dumb. all day and it was done trying to get out of there as soon as i could i went back to bowling green and te- and taught you know you got a job at school classes. yeah and so like at that time i was like man i just got to get out of the midwest i just got to get out but you got to find your way and you got to know where to go right well we were talking adam and i were talking and skylar bieberly and some other people about going to la we knew timo was out here and some other friends killing so, it so <laughs> 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 yeah Team, but were you, weren't you doing some kind of teaching too or no? Man, I think I, I, by that time I was, I was doing some volunteer teaching. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's another thing that we all have in common too, is like, we've all been a teacher at some point. Did you teach you Adam? I, yeah, I, I had a, I taught a figure drawing class at Kansas City Art Institute and that's just because they had more credit hours than they had, or excuse me, more students than they had credit hours. So it was just kind of fell into the situation where I don't have my master's, but an old professor asked me to fill in. That's great. And, and teach a class. Yeah, it was great. It's a fantastic experience. But I think that's one thing that we all have in common, too, that kind of helps yeah. the BBQLA thing is that we've mm-hmm. all been in this, this sort of teacher role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, learning is, and teaching at the same yeah. time. Definitely yeah. a work ethic that comes from the Midwest, I think, for the It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is very because it's, If, if we do say so ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, especially as, as artists very specifically. I think so. It's like pulling teeth to get anything going in the Midwest. So it's like. It's like, why is something not happening? Oh, I just got to try harder. Did I you guys got to make better artwork. And so you do, and you try, and you try, and you try, and you try. Did you guys get out here, though, and be like, why is why is no one working? <laughs> yeah, why are there so many breaks? I, can't, I keep asking for somebody to do something. They won't do the job. Like yeah. It's like pulling teeth to get shit done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I think that's why you guys are successful, though, too. And you're doing a good thing is that like you are really pushing it and you're working really, really hard at what you're doing and it shows. Everything I'm hearing outside of your group of peers ah. but from my peers has been very positive about the space as well too. We try not to slouch. So, yeah. Well, but I think it's a rarity though also because there's always somebody going to say something negative about something and have like a, and sure. I, I've yeah. not heard a negative thing about the space. Are or you shock on wood? Yeah. I, I have not. I've looked I for it. I would love to hear I've yeah. looked for it. Good. Good. <laughs> What I guess I do have a question. Yeah. You want to open it up 
and do more international stuff and more maybe or or stuff outside of LA. I don't know. We thought we did at a time. Do you not now? Yeah. What's I'm the not, deal? I'm not sure. I, f- I feel like things are more meaningful here in LA to, yeah, to mean, build I mean, the community. And, you know, we, we had some opportunities that are, that are still there, but maybe uh, not what we thought they were going to be. Yeah. Well, and so it would be great to bring some of our artists, you know, out in to these other cities or whatever. But, you know, maybe that's sometimes that's it's a lot of wasted important. energy. Yeah, when yeah. you could be producing stuff here that actually so. makes a difference and I means so. something to the community that you're producing it in. I've thought about a lot of that same stuff as well too and for me it would be if I was dealing with stuff outside of the community it would be about figuring out what's going on in those other communities because I think it's interesting to have that communication between these two separate things happening at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But and however that sort of fosters itself or sort of grows I think is really interesting but yeah, well, I think that comes down to what you want to do with the space. I mean, we've had this discussion so many times about, you know, where do we see BBKLA going, you know? And I think that if we keep the focus on the here and now as in being LA, that we don't have to worry so much about where the future is or where we're going to be in six months. Because it can year. happen naturally, too. It right? can happen naturally. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. like if opportunities come up, I'm sure we'll want to take advantage of them, I think. But, like, mm-hmm. there's, you know, limitations here and there that we have to be aware of. And, you know, if we have a certain amount of funds that we need to allocate towards being in LA or going somewhere else, we're going to choose LA because that's where it's the strongest. I mean, and we've only been doing this now, what, a year and a half, right? Yeah. Yeah, 2015 is when it opened (laughs) up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, we're just going to keep doing it and see what happens. Like, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of pressure, which is really nice. And I think we're, we're we're very fortunate enough to just like, kind of just roll with it and see what happens. Well, guys, uh, Thomas, Adam, Timo. Thank Jason. you for coming on the show. Thank you for Thank having you, us very yeah. much. Thanks, Jason. We'd and love to come back and do a legitimate studio. Yeah, I was going to say, but sure. I want to like, I was also thinking too, it would be nice. We didn't get into any of your guys' sort of personal stories that much. Mm-hmm. So individually, it'd be nice to have each of you guys on it separately as well too. Sometime sure. If you ever have time. Yeah. Definitely. So studio visits and everything lined up with all you guys. Cool. All right. All right. Cool. Later. Later. Thank you. Thank you.